So happy Father's Day, new community, especially to all those dads out there, my fellow dads, I hope you're having a ripper morning, and to my dad, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Um, I hope you're having a, a great day. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Matt. I'm on staff here. I run a bunch of the youth and young adults programs. And uh, I'm, uh, it's my fourth Father's Day this year. I'm dad to these two gorgeous little kids here. Jonah is nearly four and Arietta is two. And they're a load of laughs and, and uh, I absolutely love them. Um, as you can see, I'm just setting out on this journey of, of dadhood, of fatherhood, of exploring what parenting is like. And there's nothing like a good old-fashioned pandemic with six months in and out of stay-home restrictions to teach a young dad a whole bunch about parenthood. And I've been growing in a bunch of things, and especially one of the things I've been learning is patience. I've been growing in patience. And let me tell you some stories. Let me give you some examples. Uh, if, if you think back a couple of months ago, I'm not sure if you can remember when we were in stage two restrictions, Beck and I managed in the school holidays to get away for a long weekend up to Bright. Uh, now, you've got Bright up there near the hills in, at the bottom of Mount Hotham. It's a beautiful place and a great place to get away and, and just slow down and unwind. So we got away for this weekend and I had this idea that it would be really lovely if we were able to get up onto Mount Hotham, the kids had never been to the snow. The snow season hadn't quite started yet, but there was snow up there and we were allowed to go in and I thought we could make some snowmen, we could throw snowballs and the kids would have a blast. So we did. We got up early, Beck fed the kids breakfast and um, packed some food for the day and I got all the clothes organised and packed and packed in the car and we jumped in and, and headed off up the mountain. It's a beautiful drive. It's such a lovely drive on the way up. And when we got to the top of the mountain, we found a car park. The kids were so excited seeing the snow out the window, they couldn't wait. This is one thing I reckon I took, I took so much for granted before having kids, and that's how long it takes you to get out of the car. Pre-kids, it's simply less just like, okay, keys, wallet, phone, and then you jump out of the car, yep, snow pants, jacket, yep, let's go. It's like this, whereas... Uh, my goodness, it took us an eternity to get going. So firstly, Beck and I jumped out and went around the back and got ourselves sorted and ready to go. Meanwhile, the kids are still climbing around in the back seat, getting more and more restless and itching to get out of the car. We, we take them around and put them in the boot and open up all of their bags of stuff and try and we start putting on layers. There's nappy changes in there, but oh my goodness, the layers required to take a toddler to, to the snow are absolutely incredible. And I've actually got some here. I want you to picture this. This is the, the process of putting layers on that we took. So we start, this is Jonah's clothes for the snow. So we start with a thermal top, chuck that one on. Then thermal pants, chuck that one on. Then we chuck a singlet on. We've got um, socks and then thicker socks on top to try and layer some warmth. We've got a top followed by pants, followed by jumper, followed by jacket, followed by waterproof pant layer, followed by beanie, followed by uh, like more gloves and then more gloves because why not? Let's just put more stuff on our kids. And then we finish off with trying to squeeze those really thickly layered feet into these boots and zip them up and get them on and I don't even have space for this. Um, it, it took us seriously almost half an hour to get our kids 
dressed ready for this in the back in the boot of the car meanwhile it's freezing and they're shivering going get my clothes on but at the same time they're wriggling and wrestling with so much excitement and it was it was quite crazy and nuts and took forever and I tell you what my patience grew we jumped out and headed off to the snow and we literally got 20 meters I mean 20 meters and Jonah yells out I need to do a wee I need to do a wee and I just go, are you serious? I look at Beck and then it changes into, I'm doing a wee, I'm doing a wee and that sort of rolling eyes turn to dread and thought that we've come so far to get here to the snow and he's just wet all of these layers and so we divide and conquer Beck takes Ari off to the snow to have some fun I take Jonah back to the boot of the car and we we have a go at seeing if we can salvage some of these clothes and so we take these layers off again stripping them down and down and trying to work out which of these are wet and unsalvageable and then trying to who packs spare snow clothes you don't you don't have spare snow clothes so trying to get the spare change of clothes for the way home and trying to substitute some in and seeing can we somehow get this boy out to play with a snowball and a snowman and we do and the whole process takes us about an hour and it was challenging in my patience and I I learnt a whole lot I'm sure I'm not the only one out there with stories like this. I'm not sure I'm not the only dad with moments like this where their patience has to be tested. And more recently, I've been struggling more and more with my patience in this lockdown. Stage four lockdown, this stay-at-home restrictions being tightened. I wonder what that's like for you. But for us, Beck and I have been working from home. Beck's a part-time teacher and I have two jobs. I work at, uh, as a physio at a hospital as well as my work I do here at New Community. And normally our kids are in childcare or with a family member two or three days a week to help us juggle all the things in life. And in this season, we've lost access to our childcare. And so it's been this crazy juggle and tag team trying to get as much work done as we can, but also trying not to go insane at the same time. And a week or so ago, I remember I was out the back, we'd just finished work and I thought I'd grab a moment, a moment to try and recharge, refill and unwind. And some parents would relate to this. Sometimes when you're unwinding, you can hear in the distance that actually everything's not okay uh, inside or everything's not okay with the kids. There was this cycling from laughter and hilarity to to chaos and crying and, and Arietta's got this new thing where she goes, I don't like it! And, and I could hear her yelling that louder and louder and it's just... I could. I was towing, toing and froing between, should I be going inside here or, or is this actually a good time and I should just be resting so that then I can tag with Beck and she can get a rest and just this parent juggle is testing my patience. I decide to go in. I walk inside into what I can only describe as utter chaos. You see, Beck had had to take a work phone call that had come up while I was outside and while she's on the phone, Arietta had found her bag of crochet stuff Um, and in in this bag of crochet stuff is a bunch of different coloured balls of wool and the 
she decided it would be really fun if she just grabbed the ends of these balls of wool and run around and unwind them and throw them everywhere. And we ended up with this spaghetti of wool and all of the, the crochet and knitting people out there are slowly dying inside as I'm saying this, that all of this perfectly rolled up balls were just trashed and destroyed. The, uh, I, so this mess came out everywhere. And uh, the... The next thing that happened was that while Beck was rolling up these balls of wool, while Beck was putting some order back into her crochet bag, Jonah had found the three loads of washing on the clothes hoist and decided that it would be fun, that these are dry enough, these clothes, so why don't we just take those three loads of washing and throw them everywhere, all over the floor. He'd thrown, our lounge room was covered in clothes. Chaos, utter chaos. Also, I walked over into their bedroom and, and Jonah had decided that, uh, or I think probably both of them had decided that it'd be fun to build a cubby and they'd virtually flipped Jonah's bed upside down and, and built a cubby in there, which is all good and fine, but in the scene of absolute chaos, it was pretty nuts. And they'd also gone over to Ari's toys and, and tipped out these tubs of toys. Maybe they were looking for a certain toy, but there was toys everywhere. In about a 15-minute period of time, the house had just become chaos. And I just see that Beck is over it. She's struggling. And I go, okay, Beck, you take some time. Let's tag. You go to the bedroom and just sit on the bed and, and have some time to yourself. I'll try and sort this. I pull the kids together. We talk about how this isn't okay. And then we, Jonah, I, I set him the task of picking up the clothes off the floor. And Ari comes with me and we start picking up the toys in her room. I hear Jonah yell out from the lounge room, I need to do a wee. Same thing as before, but luckily not same result. And I just say, okay, Jonah, off you go. You go to the toilet. That's fine. You can pack up the clothes a bit later. Um, meanwhile, my patience is testing and I'm just thinking he's just procrastinating doing the job that I've given him. Um, but he goes off to the toilet and, and all is well. But then I hear a yell out and a laughter and I thought, oh, what's he done? And he goes, I did a wee in a potty. And he was so proud of himself. Problem being, this is Jonah, our near four-year-old. And other than the Hotham experience, he's been happily using a toilet independently for over a year. And in the midst of this chaos, I walk in the bathroom to find this scene, that he had gone to the toilet right next to the toilet. It's like one metre across, mate. But he'd gone to the toilet in the potty and now I had another thing to clean up and I just knew my patience was wearing thinner and thinner and thinner. And it's in these moments, moments like these, I'm sure there's parents at home that can say that their patience has test, been tested and I hope that there's others that have had experiences like this. It can be hard. It can be hard to keep your cool. It can be hard to stay in control of how you respond in these moments. I wonder if you are living with somebody that tests your patience or if there's somebody in your world, in your spheres, that tests your patience. Truth be told, I've been growing in patience, but I've also been growing in lots of things. I've been growing in trustworthiness and following through on, on what I say I'll do. I've been growing in selflessness and just getting on with the, the servanthood style lifestyle of what parenthood is. This season of lockdown and parenting has taught me a whole lot of things. And this sort of um, brings us to the, the topic that we're exploring at, this mo at the moment, this fully human 
topic uh, about what does it look like to cultivate a life that is fully human, that is, that is modelled after this life of Jesus. And how do we grow this fully human life? How do we grow our character? How do we grow patience and endurance and resilience? How do we grow these things? I want to explore this in the, the book of Mark, in chapter 6. Uh, if, you, if you've got a Bible there and you want to open up chapter 6 of Mark, we see that Jesus develops a pattern. He builds it into his life. It's a pattern of retreating and resting of reconnecting with God and restoring something inside of him. So would you read this with me? The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and thought. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. And I think you can just picture Jesus in that boat rowing with with his apostles, his his disciples and and just seeing them going along the road and thinking, man, we need a break. When are we going to catch a break? And just pulling those oars a little bit harder and pulling the sail a bit tighter and trying to see if they can get away. And I can imagine this this tension in them. And they arrived on the shore and what happened next was actually Jesus had compassion for these people. And in that story, the the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 happens next. But immediately after this, let me keep reading, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. You see, here we have Jesus fully God, but also fully human. Withdrawing into the hills to spend time alone, to connect with his God, to restore, to replenish, to recharge. There are are crowds of people chasing Jesus. There are crowds of people wanting him, but he prioritizes this rest, this alone time, this recharge time. Not because he should, but because he knows it's essential to the fully human life. It's not because of a flaw in Jesus' humanity that he needs to connect with God, but rather it's a depiction of what a fully human life looks like. Investing time and sinking our roots into the presence of God into the power of a living God who shapes and transforms, who restores, who is life-giving, a God whose spirit is powerful, a God who puts effort into restoring and shaping and growing us. You see, the psalmist got this when he wrote, he leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. In moments where my patience is being tested, sometimes I feel like my soul needs restoring too. I wonder if any of you at home feel like, oh man, I need a bit of restoring and replenishing and recharging as well. 
If I'm being honest, this last Wednesday, I know we're pre-recording today, so this is a week and a half ago for you guys, but this last Wednesday, I hit a wall. My patience had been wearing thin. I'd been looking after the kids all morning while Beck was teaching. And I was getting shorter with the kids in my reactions. And I was getting frustrated with some things that had been going on at work. And I got a, a text message from a workmate at the hospital questioning a decision I'd made with a patient of mine. And it was just like the last straw. It was just like the, the, who sunk the boat. And it tipped me over the edge. Beck was behind a closed door um, doing some teaching preparation in um, Ari's room, which we've transformed into a study. And I knocked and I went in and I sat on the floor and I just said to her, I feel like crying. Which is really like dad language for, I'm not really in a good way. Can you help me? And we chatted for a bit and then we tagged. And I did something that I haven't done for a while, maybe because of coronavirus, things have, have changed in their rhythms, but um, I went out and got some exercise. I went for a run. I put my running gear on and I, I, I didn't know where I was going. I just went down the end of the street and we've got the Mullum, Mullum Creek Trail down there and I just went for a run. I ran and I ran. I didn't know how far I was going to run, but I ran and I prayed. I sought God, I put music in my ears, I put worship music in and I listened and I prayed. I ran and I prayed and I prayed and I ran. I ran until my legs felt so exhausted they couldn't carry me anymore and I stopped for about two minutes and then I thought, no, I need to run, I've got to keep running. And I kept running and running and seeking God, saying, God, will you do something to restore me? Will you carry me in this moment? And as I turned the last corner at the bottom of our street before coming up our street to our house, I saw something and I had a moment, an experience that was so replenishing. I looked up and I saw a magnificent tree, an oak tree leaning out from someone's backyard over the path and over the creek. And at that moment, these buds of shoots had started to come out from the tips of the tree and it was just this bright green and as I ran under it the sun broke through and shone and it was like there was this moment, this transcendent moment of, of peace and rest that I encountered and I felt a nudging of God's presence showing me that there is hope, showing me to carry me in this season that that there's a new season coming. It was almost like his presence there in itself was filling. It was almost like heaven stepped into my world there and nourished me for a moment. It didn't take away all of the challenges and troubles, but it carried me for a moment and restored me for a moment. And the ancient Celtic Christians would talk about this kind of moment. They'd call them thin spaces. There's an old Celtic saying that goes, heaven and earth are only three feet apart, but in thin places that distance is even shorter. Often they would be describing mesmerising places like the windswept coastline of Iona in Scotland, where the, um, the view or the place would just jolt you out of your old way of seeing things. I think 
God has this ability sometimes to just jolt us out of our old way of seeing things. But they don't have to be these special windswept locations and places to experience moments where the veil between heaven and earth seems thinner and the presence of God seems somehow thicker and more full. Following the pattern of Jesus and making regular times and spaces to seek God's presence, to seek these thin spaces, these transforming spaces, these filling spaces, are a crucial element of cultivating the fully human life. And looking at this amazing artwork that that Les has put together for us, that Troy unpacked last week, and if you missed it, go back have a listen to what Troy had to say. But, but this artwork is amazing, but it helps us to really understand that as we seek to grow, as we seek to renew our heart, and for me in the things that I'm learning, as I seek to change my character and, and develop more patience and develop much more than patience, I need to sink my roots down into God's power. I need these thin spaces with him to allow his energy to do what my energy can't. To have this transcendent moment of uplifting and filling and renewing that comes only from a God who is alive, a God who is real, a God whose presence is powerful. This power is so important. This power is so valuable. This power is transformative and we need to sink those roots down deep. I remember quite a few years ago, Bron Arnott shared this with us. It's this uh, framework that she described for for how often and how she would hunt after these thin places and thin spaces with God. She described 10 minutes a day, one hour a week, a day a month and a weekend or sometimes even a week every year where she would pursue these thin spaces and I love it. It's a great model. It's not that you have to do this but that you get to do this and that when we do seek these spaces of intimacy and closeness with God and we make them a pattern of our life like we see in the pattern of Jesus' life, we experience the fully human life and we grow And we change more into the likeness of God and of Jesus. And so let me leave you with two reflections. Whether you're seeking, uh, where are you seeking the transforming power of God in your life now? For me, prior to COVID, I would commute on my bike to work and I'd have these awesome chunks of time when I'm cycling where I'd talk to God and I'd listen to, to things that he'd have to say and, um, and I'd be listening to podcasts and, and listening to talks and it would be a really great infilling time where, where I felt close to God. But COVID got in the way of that. And, and also... I often would feel that when I'm engaged in things around new community and gatherings and coming along to things, but without that, to be honest, I think I probably didn't have the same regularity that I usually do of these infilling times, of these times of rest and pause and thin places. And so maybe for you, like me, 
um, you're needing to seek a change, changing the habit, changing the pattern. You need to go, okay, what's going to work for me in this season? How can I seek the presence and power of God in this season? Maybe all of this is a bit new for you though. Maybe this is not something that you've patterned your life like before. Maybe you haven't actually spent chunks of time with God before. Maybe these thin places are something that you like the idea of, but you've never chased after, you've never spent time with God. And I encourage you, if that's you, I want you to jump on either direct message us through the Facebook um, account or, or send us a comment in the chat and say that you'd love to learn how can I chase and find those thin spaces with God? How can I build that into my life? And somebody from New Community would love to touch base with you and, and help coach you through what it looks like to, to spend time with God in that way. But these three words, and I'll get Joel to bring them back up there, a time, a method, and a place are often really key things for you to plug in first. If you can make a regular time that you set aside and you go, actually, it's going to be at that time. If there's a method or something that you do while you spend that time, whether it's you're going to read something and then reflect on it and talk to God about it, whether you're going to maybe journal something or listen to music, whether you're going to be running or cycling or walking or, or what you're going to do, try and find a method that actually works for you where you encounter God in his presence is real and transforming for you. And the last one is a place that often if you can have a, a, a place that you go to, whether that's a, a spot in the backyard or an armchair by a certain window, or maybe it's even for me sometimes the thing I've, I've been learning in the last couple of days is there's a heating vent by a window that I enjoy standing on top of. Whether there's a space or a place that you can go to that helps to transform these places and spaces to find a thin space with God. So let me leave you with this. Let me send you out and, and I'd love you to, to discover more of this so don't be a stranger but um, let me speak this blessing over you. May you go out there and encounter God. May you find thin places in your world. May you find rhythms of life that are like Jesus. May you find the presence and power of God in your life and may it grow you. May you discover the fully human life of partnering with God and his power at work in your life. Happy Father's Day, new community.